the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, goody gumdrop. I uh, was walking by the producer studio where Jeff uh, performs his magic, cutting the podcast and making it available to you every day. Uh, went to grab something off the printer, and I thought I heard the Salem Media News update about another $1 billion in aid to Ukraine. And sure enough, here it is from uh, CBS News just five hours ago. Uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken to make surprise trip to Kiev to meet with Ukrainian President President Volodymyr Zelensky. And it says Blinken is expected to announce a billion-dollar aid package to Ukraine during the visit. Now, don't confuse this with the August 29th stories uh, from the U.S. State Department, new package of additional U.S. military assistance for Ukraine. From Antony Blinken, today we are announcing the next package of military assistance to aid Ukraine as it defends its territory and protects its people. This package contains important capabilities to help Ukraine on the battlefield. It talks about missiles for air defense, munitions, javelin and other anti-armor systems and rockets, three million rounds of small arms ammunition, ambulances, demolition munitions for obstacle clearing, and it says this package of weapons and equipment is valued at $250 million. So there's $1 billion, $250 million just in the past like week going to Ukraine. And then I noted yesterday what Jake Sullivan, Obama hack, Biden hack, had to say at the State Department yesterday because he's like a special envoy or something to Antony Blinken, and uh, here is what Jake Sullivan had to say yesterday about more U.S. aid for Ukraine. This is an affirmative uh, agenda. It is an agenda about providing high standards, transparent, sustainable, uh, resilient funding streams to countries that cut through the red tape and give not just the poorest countries in the world, but middle-income countries who are dealing with the stresses of climate and COVID and migration and and the war in Ukraine, access to capital that they can actually take advantage of and put to work. That's not against anybody. That is not a negative agenda. Mm, That is an affirmative agenda, positive agenda, and one that's been embraced not just by the United States, not just by our closest allies, but by a very wide range and diverse set of countries. And we believe it will be embraced by the G20 as a whole uh, when we go to New Delhi. So they're going to New Delhi, India. They're taking Biden, who's been exposed to COVID from his wife, over there, which is you know, a great idea to take an adult 80-plus-year-old president whose resistance to disease, you would think, would be worn down somewhat by traveling halfway around the world to give more money to Ukraine. <laughs> and I saw a story on CNN that, wow, isn't getting a whole lot of play here nationally in the wake of all this money being announced for Ukraine. Here's how it reads. 
Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has fired his defense minister, citing the need for new approaches as the war with Russia enters its 19th month. Well, I read that and I thought, well, the war must not be going well. He's firing his uh, defense minister. And then I read further on down, and it says that uh, the defense minister has been fired uh, because of his, uh, well, I'll just read it to you. His removal comes in the wake of a numerous, one more time. His removal comes in the wake of a number of corruption scandals involving Ukraine's Minister of Defense. Oh, so he was fired because of corruption. And we're giving them more money, $1 billion, $250 million, but he's fired for corruption. We still have not gotten our arms around the Ukrainian corruption. Ah, well, lucky for me, it's addressed further down in the story. Here, I'll read it to you. Zelensky's promise to rid the government of corruption was one of the reasons behind his rapid ascent into power in 2019. Hmm. Still not rooting it out, just determined to root it out. Uh, Saturday, one of Ukraine's most powerful oligarchs and a key Zelensky supporter, Ihor Kolomoisky, was arrested as part of a fraud investigation. Oh, look at that. An oligarch who's one of Zelensky's supporters was arrested Saturday as part of a fraud investigation, right after we announced $250 million in high-tech weaponry, and right before we announced another $1 billion in aid. Is there any end to this? The answer, no, there isn't. Now, I don't know all the wisdom or foolishness of whether or not it's the end of the world if we don't win the war in Ukraine or if we do win the war in Ukraine. But does it seem a little bit odd to anyone that our approach to Ukraine continues to be an unending supply of money as articulated by our president? The fact of the matter is that I believe we'll have the funding necessary to support Ukraine as long as it takes. And uh, I believe that uh, we're going to, that, that support will be real, even though there are, you hear some voices today on Capitol Hill about whether or not we should continue to support Ukraine and for how long we should support them. Yes, you continue to hear those voices because we're always told that we have to win this war. If we don't win this war, then Poland will be next or a NATO country will be next and we end up fighting Russia there. So we might as well fight them here and we got to push them back and all that. But did you ever notice we never seem to give Ukraine anything when they ask for it or need need it to win? We always wait and tell them, no, you can't have that because that'll escalate the war. And then we end up giving them exactly what they asked for only a couple of months after they asked for it. Like, that is indisputable. You know what else is indisputable? Despite what Philip Bump tells you from the Washington Post about how there's no evidence, not a shred of evidence, or what Jamie Raskin tells you about not a shred of evidence, here's what we know. Here's what we know. We know this. This is not in dispute any longer. Oh, I know it was in dispute when Donald Trump called Volodymyr Zelensky and wanted him to investigate corruption with Hunter Biden and with Joe Biden. But we since have had House Oversight look into this. And here is what we know. 
even though Philip Bump knows it too and will tell you, it's fine. I don't know what it means. I have no idea what it means. We know that Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma and was making a million dollars a year. We know that. We know that Joe Biden was the vice president of the United States put in charge of investigating and ending corruption in Ukraine. We know that. We know that no one in the media has ever gotten an answer as to why it was not, because Joe Biden's never been willing to answer or has been made to answer, how he could be investigating an energy company for corruption when his son was sitting on the board of that energy company making a million dollars a year. He's never been made to ask answer that question. How is that not a conflict of interest? He's never answered it. It's never been asked. And while Philip Bump doesn't think it's worth addressing and has no idea what it means that Hunter Biden sent a text message to his daughter saying that he's paid all of his dad's bills for 30 years, that unmistakably establishes the intertwining of Joe and Hunter Biden's finances. So if their finances are intertwined and Hunter Biden's text message proves that they are, and Hunter Biden was getting, which we know he was, a million dollars a year from Ukraine, how does it not also follow that Joe Biden, in charge of ending corruption in Ukraine, was also getting money through his son from the energy company that Joe Biden was supposed to be investigating? I mean, all the bank records, all the shell companies, all the phone calls. Remember, we were told, never talk to my son about his foreign business dealings. Now we know there were emails from a pseudonym of Joe Biden, a thousand emails from a pseudonym of Joe Biden to Rosemont Seneca, the company that Hunter Biden was the chairman of. Yet he never talked to his son about his foreign business dealings. Oh, maybe he was parsing words. Maybe many emailed him all the time about it. All these questions are not being asked because idiots, bootlicks like Philip Bump, refuse to say there's anything to see there. So one of the challenges that I'm cognizant of as I host a show here every day is that I want to bring you information that is true, information that is authentic. And uh, that's a lot harder these days than it used to be. It used to be that, well, you go to a verified news site, go to Washington Post, New York Times, Columbus Dispatch, a local television station. I mean, you're going to get the truth there, right? Because they're a major media organization and they wouldn't want to traffic in information that's not true. So you could trust those places. Well, it's become glaringly obvious that over the past, I don't know, 10 years, 15 years, maybe 20 years, you can't trust those sites. When I went to journalism school, when I came out with a degree and I went to work at various different places, you wouldn't dare slant the news. If you did, you were called down immediately. That's not what we do. That's not what journalism is. That's not the case anymore. Now, uh, mainstream journalism, whether it's on the radio, on TV, or in print, uh, is overpopulated with zealots. I was going to say ideologues, but it's really zealots. Uh, this clip from Philip Bump, I played it uh, before the bottom of the hour. I'm going to play it again because I want you to listen. This is a guy at the Washington Post. Okay, that's where a lot of people would aspire to get to. And he's right, he's an opinion guy, okay? He's not, a, he's not a reporter, but when you're an opinion guy, when you're writing columns, when you're putting the news in context and analyzing it, you are 
supposed to be the most curious, the most analytical, the most inquiring. So the host of this podcast just says to Philip Bump a very simple question. Hey, Hunter Biden sent a text message to his daughter that was on his laptop, which has been verified by the Washington Post, by the way, as authentic, and the New York Times. It took them over a year. First they said, oh, it has all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. And then, oh, okay, the election's over. Okay, we can say it's authentic now. But listen to Philip Bump and how uncurious, incurious, not curious he is when confronted with a text message that you or I can easily say what it means. But he can't because, of course, if he had to say what it meant, it would make Joe Biden look guilty, which he unequivocally no doubt is. What do you take from the text message to his adult daughter uh, hundreds of text messages. I have to give fifty percent of my income to Pop. I have no idea what that means. I don't. I have no idea what that means. Well, it's it's it's. it's it, I know it's circumstantial evidence, and you prefer that. No, what what, what could it I, mean? I have no idea. But doesn't it, I don't know? Well, did, I appreciate that, your. Has anybody has anybody me. asked her? I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't you think somebody should ask her? Okay. Like I, I'm not. I just said I don't know, and I don't know what to make of it. So I have nothing yeah, to but, say you, about it. All right. I got to stop it there because that's just egregious. I don't know what it means. It means. He paid half his dad's bills. That's what the text says. Has anybody asked her? I don't know. Why haven't you asked her? Why are you not curious to ask her? How can that be out in the public domain for well over a two years and you haven't asked? And the very simple reason he hasn't asked is because he doesn't want to know the answer. Because the answer is self-evident. The answer means exactly what the text says. I've paid my dad's bills for 30 years. Our finances are intertwined. When I get millions, it's good for me. And when I get millions, it's good for my dad. That's what Philip Bump doesn't want to know. He doesn't want to admit it. And so he gets up off the podcast and he walks away. And that's my challenge. There's the Washington Post. But you can't trust him because the most obvious takeaway from a text message is a takeaway he won't acknowledge, won't write about, won't report. And unnerves him so much he gets up and walks away. Like the weenie he is. So when I see stories about Enrique Tario, one of the supposed January 6th riot organizers and leaders, being sentenced to 22 years, I'm hesitant to say, well, sure, they're going to prosecute Enrique Tario. They're not going to prosecute anybody affiliated with the Black Lives Matter riots because I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. When I see a headline today that Tucker Carlson is going to have Larry Sullivan on his Tucker on Twitter or Tucker on X show tonight at 6 o'clock, and Larry Sullivan is going to talk about what he says is a sexual, a homosexual experience he had with Barack Obama, I don't want to be trafficking in conspiracy and, you know, gotcha journalism. But it's pretty obvious that the powers that be in journalism are not going to engage in that. And you can't trust the news sources that are supposed to be trustworthy. Like what Larry Sullivan has to say tonight about Barack Obama is something that they've kept out of the mainstream media for the better part of two decades Would Barack Obama have been elected if this really happened and if it was publicized when he was running for president? I doubt it. So I'm torn every day between what is authentic 
news and what is not authentic news. And then, of course, when you go down the rabbit hole of reporting about something being authentic, it may not be. It may just be a whack job. And that's really where I land on the whole stealing of the 2020 election. I saw a story today about Georgia and ballot counting and this, that, and the other. And I just am like, okay, I'm done with this. I've had enough of this. But when I read it, I'm like, you know what? That is what happened that night. They did send out a memo that they were going to stop counting ballots and everybody go home. And then they kept counting ballots and only the Republicans went home. And how many things have we been told? Oh, conspiracy theory. Wuhan coming from a lab in Wuhan. What are you crazy? Like, that's nuts. Arbitrary social distancing guidelines. No, no, there had to be science to back that up. Nobody would issue an arbitrary distancing guideline. Yeah, actually, they would. How many things? The vaccines actually don't prevent spread. So there's so many things that have been labeled as conspiracies and later turn out to be true. And every time that happens, I'm sitting here with one part of me saying, careful. That could be a conspiracy theory. It could be baseless. It could have nothing behind it besides a few cosmetic things that make you take it seriously. And you don't want to push that on your audience because you promised them on day one when you started this show that you would always endeavor to bring them the truth. And you better look at that closely because it sounds pretty crazy. But the more we go and the more I see the Department of Justice weaponized against Donald Trump and Enrique Tarrio and others, he wasn't even in Washington on the day of the Jan 6 riots, and he got the harshest sentence. Now, is there a justification for that? Yeah, maybe. But one of the things that the prosecution used against Enrique Tarrio in his prosecution was a message on Telegram, which is like a messaging app, that said, let me read it here, uh, We did this. Make no mistake, we did this. Tario never responded to the message and in fact said he never read it and never got it. But the government used it against him anyway. How do you use something against someone? How does a court, a jury, take into account something that is never proven to have been seen by the person it's used against? That's absolutely frightening that they can... If that's going to be the norm, they can use things that they don't even have to prove you saw or use things that they don't even have to prove influenced you or that you participated in. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.